This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome to another episode of the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. It's Michael, and today I've got an awesome guest. He's a speaker, he is an author, he is an entrepreneur. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Tippett. Jeff, welcome to the show. Hey, Michael, how are you doing? I am. I am absolutely awesome. Awesome. Thanks for joining, and I'm glad that uh, we had an opportunity to uh, meet today and chat. Uh, so, one of the things that you really highlight in all the work that you do is, you know, using persuasion in how you communicate. So, dive right in and, and share with our audience, you know, what you mean by that and how it's helped you in your career and in your life, and you know, the, the various things that uh, keep you busy. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to share with you and with your audience. And I'm excited about this conversation because I have a heart for entrepreneurs as an entrepreneur myself. You know, I, I get it. I feel the pain. I feel the excitement. I feel the passion. So first of all, just let me say thank you for allowing me to, to share some knowledge with your audience. And for me, Persuasive communication is my specialty. It's my area of expertise. Uh, Background-wise, I have a master's degree in English, so communication is part of my background. Um, but even more so than just communicating, like really diving down and getting a little bit more specialized and talking about persuasive communication um, is my is my heartbeat. It's what I love to do. And for me, you know, I, I've run firms, I've run agencies, I've started agencies. Um, but it was during a, this a process of adopting a baby from the country of Haiti that I really began to understand the difference between persuasion and manipulation. And Michael, it, it actually forced me to take a deep look into myself and to really realize that what I was used to doing and my typical mode of operation was to be a manipulator and not a persuader. And it's very painful to say or even to articulate, um, but through bumps, bumps and bruises, I really began to see that in myself and had to make changes. Yeah, the the story, and I'm you know a bit familiar with it, but I'd love to you know hear a little bit about you know the story of you know adopting a child from from Haiti and how you navigated out you know through all of that because that's not something where you just you know basically like you you're going on Amazon and you're going to buy something, add it to the cart, and then it gets delivered to you. And if you have Prime, it could be same day. You know, it's it, there's a lot of hoops that you have to go through. Uh, to you know, adopt a child, and of course, if you know that child is from a foreign country, then you know, I, I can't imagine all you know all the hoops that you had to jump through to to navigate that and and be able to adopt your child. Yes, it was six and a half months of the hardest period of my life. It wasn't a lifelong dream. I had never had a desire to adopt, never thought about it, never considered it. Um, my father went to Haiti to do some humanitarian relief. And while there, struck up a relationship with a translator who happened to be a ninth grade student um, in an English-speaking Christian school. And she happened to get pregnant. And the school gave her a very difficult choice gut-wrenching choice, actually, that I don't even know what I would do having to make the same decision. And this was the choice they gave her. They said, you can give up your baby or you can drop out of school, but we are not going to have you be a single mom in our Christian school. So you need to make your choice. 
I can't imagine what I would do faced with that. But ultimately, what she decided was best for her and for her daughter uh, was to put her daughter up for adoption. So you went through that, and you were able to, you know, finally, you know, bring your child home. Uh, in, from you know, being an entrepreneur and all the other things that you do, you know, what was that like? What was that experience like in those first early days when you knew, okay, you know this is finally complete. You know, I have my my child here now. And, and you know, what did that do as far as perspective on, on, you know, different experiences that you've had and and how you've been able to navigate through challenges in your life since then? Yeah. You know, going through this process was no different than things I've gone through with companies that I've started. And I, there were times when things just collapsed. There were times when I threw my hands up and just said, I can't do this any longer. Um, there were trips to Haiti where I had a gun pointed at my head. I had machete held at my neck. There were times that I had to flee the city um, for my own safety. And there was one particular time that everything collapsed around me. And it's no different than what entrepreneurs go through, at least in my experience of, uh, of going through, of starting companies and, and moving things forward. There was a time when the government was shutting down because they were trying to run the president airseed out of the country. And so the government was shutting down. I got an email from my Haitian attorney that said, Jeff, at best, your adoption is on delay, but at worst, I think you may need to accept that this is over and you're never going to complete this adoption. Well, Michael, I had already flown over probably three times at that point. I was in love with this daughter, with this, this girl, that my potential daughter. Like, this was my heart. This was my passion, very much like what we have in, in business, starting companies. And so I flew over to, to, to go over to see what I could do. And this is the mode that I, I took on, Michael. I, I went over and with my translator every day, I walked to this office that I needed someone to sign this next piece of paper to keep me on track. And every single day, I walked home disappointed, back to my attorney's house, disappointed because no one showed up. And this took place for about two weeks until finally someone showed up. And when this person showed up, you can imagine like what was happening in my head, like all the emotions that were going on. And you know, there weren't a lot of English-speaking people around me to like get all this frustrations and vent all this stuff. And when this person finally came in, like I just accosted him. And I was using words like I, me, and my over and over and again. I was saying things like how I wanted to adopt this baby, how I needed him to sign this document, how I needed him to do it now, and how my adoption was all you know, off track. And I just went on. And he glassed over and there was no positive response out of him. And I looked at this and I knew in my gut that I needed to change. Something needed to transition in this language. And drawing on my limited knowledge of of Haitian culture, I knew this, that they loved their children. And they valued their children and their children were like jewels to them. So I turned my language around. And I started talking to what I knew was important to him. And I told him of the story of this little girl who is now living in an orphanage. She's been taken away from her mom, now living in an orphanage. She was extremely sick. She didn't have medical help. She didn't have money. She didn't have a home. She didn't have promise of love. She didn't have promise of an education. But that if he would be willing to sign this document, that I would be the one to help give that to her. And Michael, he turned and he immediately signed the document. And within 10 minutes, we were out of there. But the lesson that I learned was 
this couldn't be about me. This had to be about my audience, my, what my audience wanted, what was important to my audience, what was valuable to my audience. As entrepreneurs, if we can catch that, if we can understand this is about the potential person that's shopping with us, that's purchasing with us, or the person that, that we are you know, seeking funding from, if we can change that, that little mind shift, it will totally turn around our businesses. And that's the crucial thing is, as entrepreneurs, you know, we face adversity all the time. Um, if, if it was you know, a road that was easy, then everyone would be an entrepreneur and we wouldn't have to go through all the hoops that we go through. But, you know, the, and I think one of the reasons why I wanted to have you talk about, you know, the adoption component of it is the similarities, you know, all of the challenges and the, you know, working with different people and trying to get everything aligned right uh, so you can, you know, set yourself up for success and you know, ultimately, you were successful in, in being able to adopt your child, and then also you've used you know that skill set as well. You know, in your various ventures and your speaking, and you know, your author. And I know you got a new book coming out soon. I want to be able to you know to talk about that a bit as well. But you know, the synergies there are amazing, and that was the thing that jumped out at me is you know how many similarities there are in you know going through the process of trying to adopt a child. Uh, and and also you know launch a business or you know be a successful business owner. There there's so many similarities, and and even at that point of uh, of reaching when I, I finally began to understand like, what it was going to take to move this person forward. The lesson for me, like when I was there and with this was all started, I kept thinking that my arch enemy in all this was the Haitian bureaucracy, and I thought that's what was holding me back. That was keeping me from obtaining what it was that. I was after. But what I learned, Michael, was that it wasn't. It had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do with me and how I was used to making things happen. I was used to manipulating. I was used to twisting arms. I was used to doing whatever it takes, even straining relationships to get done what I wanted to get done. And when I acknowledged that and began to shift my intentions, shift my heart, shift my focus away from what I wanted, to putting it on the other person, what needs they may have, what gaps there may be, areas in health, wealth, or relationships. All of those spaces where we, pretty much all of our needs can, can fit into one of those buckets nicely. When I made that mental shift away from myself and to the other person and acknowledged, Jeff, you're a manipulator. You are twisting arms. You are making things happen that at times probably shouldn't happen. You need to become a persuader. And when that shift happened, Everything switched around for me. And it's no different in our business and growing companies. If we put our shift on the other person, things will change. And you said it right there. The key thing is when we change our focus on the other person, that's when things actually start to happen. You know, for many of us, we, we, we launch our businesses. And we're like, okay, we want to do this and this because we start thinking about what it's going to do for us which is fine. You, you, you need to take that into consideration because there's a lot of work involved to be able to do the things that you want to do. But at the end of the day, you need clients, customers, you know, however you want to describe uh, people to buy in and believe in what you are offering and understanding and believing that what you have to offer them will make their life better. And when you focus on those individuals 
that's when you start seeing the transformation in your businesses. That's when you start seeing, you know, growth. That's when you start seeing opportunities uh, start to rise, you know, and it's, it's funny. I've seen it time and time again with a lot of people, and I'm sure you've experienced it as well, where they're going, 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 and nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden something, it could be even a slight change. Something changes, and all of a sudden they are busier than they could ever imagine. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we have those moments when these things began to click, when things began to happen, they began to move forward. And at least from my perspective, oftentimes what has happened in times like that is we have put our focus on the other person. And I think too, as like as entrepreneurs, as business owners, you know, we sell. Like that's what we have to do. And sometimes we think of this as as dirty or as you know, it's a difficult process, it's a challenge, it's hard to sell to people. But when we like, really understand what persuasion is, and especially when we contrast that with manipulation, and Michael, when people ask me what I do, I, you know, I say I speak professionally, and they typically come back and they say, hey, but you know, what do you speak about? And I talk, I say I speak on persuasive communications. And nine times out of 10, the response is, oh, you teach people how to manipulate for a living. And I just laugh it off. And I just like, no, let's talk about this. And when we dissect this and we, we understand the difference it really gives us a mental shift. So the word manipulate means to cause something to happen, but to do it cleverly or to do it unfairly. And what, we're, what happens in manipulation is we are trying to move people just like in persuasion, but instead of moving them for their benefit, we move them for our benefit. We need the money. We want to get the contract signed. We do whatever it takes to get it signed. And oftentimes that can be manipulation. But now let's contrast that with persuasion. Persuasion also means to make something to happen, but it means to do it through reasoning or argument. And the word argument here is not what we do at Thanksgiving around our tables talking about uh, politics or religion. It, it really is this conversation where both parties talk about what's important to them, what they're looking for, where the gaps are, where the needs are. And then over an extended period of time, what ends up happening through this, this sound reasoning, we come to the very same place. And Michael, I look for two key words to know if I have manipulated or persuaded someone. And those two key words are, that's right. So at the end of something, if a person looks at me and say, hey, Jeff, that's right. You are bringing a solution. Your company is bringing a solution to a need that we have here. Or, hey, Jeff, you're right. You are the right person to be on stage speaking. You can bring transformation. That person has accepted the truth for himself or for herself. It's, their, it's not just my truth. It's their truth. They're just as excited as I am about this. They are motivated, right? They have been persuaded. And as entrepreneurs, that's the sweet spot. That's where we want to live when our customers, when our clients are just as excited for themselves as to what we're fixing for them, what problem we're solving, not just for us. And, and that's awesome. And, I, and I'm glad that you, you, know, distinct, you gave distinction, I should say, between you know, manipulation and persuasion because oftentimes you know, our, our self-defense mechanisms when you know, we're you know, talking with somebody about whether it's a, a career change or coaching or buying a product or a car or anything, there's a part of us that has this built-in defense going, mm, I don't know about this. And persuasion, in a way, you know, basically helps remove that doubt uh, and, and you know, puts, puts the situation in where the person can make a clear decision 
on if this particular product or service is going to benefit them or not. And without having that roadblock that's always there, because I, I, I tell you, and this personally speaking, you know, there are many times where I've passed on things where upon reflection, it would have been a good idea for me to you know, buy that service or buy that product because it would have done something beneficial to me or the people that I, you know, know and love. And it's, you know, the persuasion kind of thing is, you know, clearing out the clutter in a conversation and getting to, okay, this is, this is what's being offered. This is what's going on. This is how it's going to benefit you and paint that picture for people. And that, that goes a long way uh, when really helping people out. Absolutely. And what I've heard you say here, it's like, two critical points, and these are actually two separate chapters that I talk about in my book. The first one that I heard you say is, is about like what we say and how we craft it. So I, I put a whole chapter in my book about crafting a simple message, helping people understand how do we say what it is that we need to say. Often if people are like I am, like ping pong balls are just going all over my head over ideas and concepts. So how do we distill this down? How do we craft a very simple message and then there's the second part that, that you just articulated. I have a whole other chapter where I talk about helping others find their win so that you win and putting this focus on what it is that they need. And, and as you've just said, like you look back and you think it is a product or service that could have helped you or people that you love. So how do we, as person who's persuading, how do we exhibit leadership and help the other person understand that and frame this up in such a way that it is about them? It is about what they need, what, what their wants are. Yeah, it's 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 perfect analogy, and it really helps people get clear on on what they truly want and desire. And again, without all the roadblocks. So, if you're talking to an entrepreneur today, and you know they're having some difficulty you know, closing sales for some reason, and there could be some quick advice you could give them on on how to use you know persuasion in in the communication. What are what are a couple of the tips you could uh, guide them through? Great question. So, and I'll hit these quickly. Uh, first of all, is know what it is that you're trying to say. Craft your message. Understand how to build out this message. Albert Einstein said it this way. He said, if you can't explain something simply, you don't know enough about it. So they need to be able to clearly understand what you're saying. Let's go back to like the example that I gave earlier of when I talk about when people say, what do you do for a living? I say, I speak for a living. I'm a professional speaker. That's all I say. I stop. And that whets their appetite for them to come back and say, hey, what do you speak about? So how do we craft a very simple message that doesn't explode over people? It gives them enough information that they need, but it also whets their appetite for the very next thing. And they, it, this isn't us pushing on them. This is them dragging more out of us because they're so engaged. So how do we craft a message? I, that would be one part, part of it. Another part is really what we mentioned earlier, really Check your intentions. Is this about you? Is this about you closing the deal, about you getting the check, getting the contract, or is this really about helping others win? Um, and I think part of this too then is how do we position? How do we position our, our offer? How do we position the thing that, that we're proposing to them? Uh, and in the book, I, I talk about several things like loss aversion versus prospect theory. Um, and we know that in general, loss aversion will convert a lot quicker, more easily than prospect theory will. Things like emotion versus logic, making sure that we understand that we present things in an emotional way because we feel uh, before we think. So how do we position the message? And then I have another chapter in the book about crafting a call to action. Like, how is it that we finally ask them 
what it is that we want from them. Do we have a strong call to action? What does a call to action look like? And how do you craft a call to action that will get people to respond the way that you want them to respond? Um, finally, the last thing I would, would toss in there is the word trust. When I finished my book and my editor was reading through the manuscript, he came back to me and he said this. He said, Jeff, you've implied trust through every chapter in your book, but you've never just taken a whole chapter to talk about building trust with people. Is that important to you? And my response was, oh my gosh, yes, it is not only important to me, it is the most important thing in this message because without trust, every other chapter in this book falls apart. It's of no value if, the, if our audience doesn't trust us, if we don't have that trust um, built in there. So I took the time to write a whole chapter on understanding how do we build trust with our audience. To me, this is the foundation for any type of persuasion. And without it, we won't succeed. That's leadership gold that you've shared. And I tell you what, if people just follow those tips, they're going to be successful. It'll be impossible for them not to be. You know, and uh, I highly encourage the audience, you know, pick up your new book. Uh, when's it out? I know it, when uh, the site, it looked like it was going to be late fall. So has it been released yet? Or because uh, I'm definitely going to go and get it ordered ASAP for myself. It is scheduled. Uh, we are on track for January 1st release. Um, it is Everything is finished. My editor's adding the final touches to everything right now. Um, the artwork is finished on the cover of the book, and we're getting ready to head into the page design phase of all this. Um, I think it's a great tool. The thing that I've tried to do in this book, this isn't just like a straight little flow chart of this linear path. What I'm trying to do is give people, and especially entrepreneurs, to give them an understanding of the concepts of persuasion and then allow them to figure out what works for them with their audience. There is no silver bullet. There is no one single approach to any of this. But if we understand the concepts of how we persuade others and we understand our audience, then we can navigate that space toward persuasion. That's awesome. And this conversation has been absolutely epic. And it's amazing how quickly time flies when, when I converse with awesome people like you, Jeff. So where can people find out more about you and, and the work that you're doing? Besides you being a public speaker, you do a little bit more than that, but uh, you, de you definitely do a, yeah, a ton of great stuff. Absolutely. Where, where can they find you? A couple of easy ways. First of all, it's my website. It's jefftippett.com, J-E-F-F-T-I-P-P-E-T-T.com. And if you get anywhere close to that, there are Google ads around my name, any misspellings, it'll probably pick it up and they'll be fine. Um, but also, I, if they want something immediate, like right now, um, I have a free chapter uh, from my book, this is the chapter on crafting a simple message, and this is the foundation for persuasion. It helps people understand how they need to say what it is they're trying to say. They can text the word persuade to 66866, and that chapter, that free chapter, will be in their inbox immediately, right now. That's awesome, and audience will definitely have all of those notes and information in the show notes. So, Jeff, thank you again for being a part of the show today. I really appreciate you and all the awesome work you're doing, and uh, good luck again with, with the new book. Michael, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for trusting me to share valuable content with your audience, to the opportunity, and thanks for being a great host. Oh, my pleasure. You make it easy. So, thanks again, Jeff, and until next time, everybody, be well. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst case scenarios. 
I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get as a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.